0: All right, everybody, it is Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Moshe Wanunu.
1: And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts.
0: And we read all the news, Jill. We read all the news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave the cliche out for the day. We'll see if everyone misses it. We read all the news so you don't have to. It That works. That one works. That one works. Maybe this is a living, breathing program (laughs) now in its 11th month. By the way, we're approaching Jill. You know, just a couple months ago, we celebrated 1 million downloads. We're getting pretty close to 2 million downloads already.
1: Moshe, I did not realize that. That is awesome.
0: Yeah, we're seeing great growth. Uh, March and April were our biggest months ever. And May is off to a very good pace. Many of you liking uh, the few episodes we put out so far this month, including the episode we put out Monday with the points guy, uh, with a whole bunch of travel hacks, travel advice. So definitely check out that episode if you haven't already.
1: And we are now available on YouTube. Yes. Live in living color, not live in living color,
0: (laughs) but are we all, we're all framed up today. We're all framed up. We continue to work on our, on our backdrops and Julie looking great today.
1: Somebody had messaged me saying, don't worry about wearing makeup. Let's normalize no makeup. So you got it. <laughs> no makeup it is. <laughs> hey,
0: hasn't it been normalized the past couple of years with COVID, right? For me, anyway. Uh, there you go. All right,
1: let's get to some news here. Hollywood writers are on strike for the first time in 15 years, and some of your favorite shows might already be impacted. A new warning from the U.S. Surgeon General. Loneliness is an epidemic in America, and it is worse for people than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. The Biden administration planning to send 1,500 troops to the southern border ahead of a potential surge of migrants next week. Donald Trump makes a decision whether to testify in the trial, accusing him of rape. Why Pornhub will no longer be available in one of America's 50 states. We'll tell you which one. Some exciting medical news. Scientists believe that they may have discovered a cure for hearing loss. And Florida beachgoers beware. Massives stinky clumps of a seaweed blob are washing up on beaches along the coast
0: jill kudos to you by the way you uh found this story about a month ago and we warned people that this blob was on the way and now
1: it's here <laughs> uh mosh has on this day in history
0: jill a little bit of friends history for you today and a little bit of margaret thatcher you know a little bit of everything
1: we've got range Okay, let's start with our top story. Thousands of unionized Hollywood writers made the call to strike early Tuesday, and several TV shows are already impacted. Members of the Writers Guild of America are out on strike for the first time in 15 years. It followed high-stakes negotiations between the union and Hollywood's marquee studios But a deal could not be reached as the current contract expired on Monday. The union members are looking for pay increases and also structural changes to a business model that they say has made it increasingly difficult for them to make a living. In recent years, as streaming platforms like Netflix and Disney Plus have exploded, writer and producer pay has actually declined by about 4%. If you adjust for inflation, that's about 23%, according to the Writers Guild. They are particularly frustrated that shows on streaming services tend to have fewer episodes than shows on the broadcast networks. That makes it tougher, they say, for them to have a steady income, plus what's called residual fees, or the money that's paid when a show goes into syndication or airs overseas. Well, that's pretty much gone, because in the streaming world, The content is hosted exclusively on streaming platforms. Writers are also concerned about AI and the impact of AI-based writing. Now, for their part, the major studios have said that they've offered a fair deal. They say they're also dealing with challenges. They've got a lot of pressure from investors to increase profits and cut costs. We have seen companies like Netflix, Discovery, Disney lay off thousands of workers recently. Mosh, I was listening to an interview with the union's top negotiator, and she was saying that she sees this current moment as an existential threat to the writing profession.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. And it comes, Jill, as studios are making a call here on how to incorporate, as you mentioned, AI into writing, which will be interesting to see here, depending on how long the strike lasts, whether they try their hand at artificial intelligence to replace these writers the last time we saw a strike like this uh, from this group was 0708. that strike lasted uh, a historic 100 days it brought many shows to a halt it delayed movies some say it helped usher in uh the re- reinforce the rise of reality tv which of course doesn't require writers so it's unclear how long this strike will last but we're already seeing some shows affected the first ones the late night talk shows Jimmy Kimmel, uh, CBS's Late Show, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon are all going on hiatus and repeats will be shown. HBO is ceasing live production of Real Time with Bill Maher, This Week Tonight with John Oliver, Uh, Comedy Central's Daily Show is stopped. So that's the immediate effect here. This weekend, it appears Saturday Night Live will nix its uh, episode, which was set to be live, with Pete Davidson hosting. And then there's the longer term here. We may see some series get cut short or be delayed here. The next group to be disrupted are daytime soap operas, since they're traditionally written just a couple weeks before they're aired. And then again, depending on how long this lasts, then you have your next group, which is primetime comedies, dramas, which will be able to wrap up their current season. But then writing begins in May or June for the fall season. Then you have the streamers. Netflix says it has global content, uh, stuff written abroad that can uh, fill the gap in the meantime. And HBO Max says they've been stocking some stuff in anticipation of this strike. The big debate here, as you laid out, is writers want to be paid more. Uh, And one of their requests here that the studios took issue with is that they want the companies to staff shows with a certain number of writers, whether they're needed or not. They want a certain level of guaranteed income here. And then the studios have pushed back on that. When we talk about studios here, Jill, we're talking about everyone kind of uh, negotiating together here. So you're talking about Disney, NBC, Warner, Netflix, all in kind of uh, in one line. And then you have the writers on the other side of the table. Uh, And so it does not appear, at least in the near term, like we're close to any sort of agreement.
1: Moshe, I do think it's ironic because you would think that right now, with all of the different streaming services competing for viewers and competing for the best content, plus you've still got the original networks that also need content, you would think it's the opposite. You would think that this would kind of be like a golden age for writers because there would be such a need for them.
0: The issue is the compensation model hasn't adapted with the technology. And I mean, part of that has to do with the lack of anticipation of the way things would go. But also keep in mind, when you watch these streaming shows, you know, you made the point earlier, you know, each season of a streaming show might have eight episodes, six episodes, 10 episodes. I mean, there was an era not so long ago that the network shows needed 30 to 40 episodes per season. And so while there are more platforms, the comp model hasn't adapted. And those platforms don't necessarily need as much writing as the previous world needed.
1: Okay, Mosh now to a new warning from the Surgeon General. There is an epidemic of loneliness in the United States, and it can increase the risk for premature death to levels comparable to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. According to that report out on Tuesday, the physical consequences of loneliness can be devastating. A 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, and a 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. So that's why the Surgeon General Vivek Murthy is urging public officials to treat isolation and loneliness with the same urgency as substance abuse or tobacco use. In an op-ed this week in the New York Times, he wrote, at any moment, about one out of every two Americans is experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. This includes introverts and extroverts, rich and poor, and younger and older Americans. So he is proposing a national framework to rebuild social connection and community in America. He talks about strengthening social infrastructure like school-based programs that teach children about building healthy relationships and also community programs that bring people together. He also talks about having to renegotiate our relationship with technology, creating space in our lives without our devices so that we could be more present with one another, Uh, Clearly, that is such a huge issue that we're all dealing with now. Um, And he also talks about taking steps in our personal lives to rebuild our connection to one another, noting that small steps can make a big difference.
0: Totally. We'll lay out a couple of those uh, at the end of this uh, segment. Though, Jill, we should mention the social media part of this is huge. According to the data they put out, people who use social media two hours or more daily were more than twice as likely to report feeling socially isolated than those who were on apps for less than 30 minutes a day. And while we mentioned older Americans, uh, this really cuts across all age groups. People are spending less time with each other in person than two decades ago. The advisory that was put out this week found that this issue was actually most pronounced, maybe not that surprisingly, in young people, age 15 to 24, who had 70% less social interaction with their friends than uh, the same age group 20 years ago.
1: Mosh, that's an incredible stat when you think about it. And it, the irony, of course, is that technology should make us feel closer. It's easier than ever to stay connected with people, but it's just not those same meaningful connections as actually seeing someone face to face.
0: They're seeing a real difference here um, in, in terms of social interaction. They also note that the number of single households in the U.S. has doubled over the last 60 years here. So that's not just a social media issue. That's a larger trend issue in in America. And the Surgeon General does say this is not a uniquely American problem. This is an issue around the globe. But focused here, which is the Surgeon General's domain, that participation in community organizations like religious groups, recreational leagues, has declined in recent decades. And so, Jill, they laid out a few things we could all do. They suggest that will help alleviate loneliness to a certain extent. To get started, they say take 15 minutes each day to contact a friend or a relative. Doable. All right. We'll hold you to it. I'm going to check in tomorrow (laughs) to see if you checked in 15 minutes with a friend or relative tomorrow, Jill. The next part is if you're actually with people, ensure that it's actually quality time. Put down your devices when you're with your friends or your family and give them your full attention. So that's piece of advice number two. Not doable. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Depending That's on who you're That's more difficult. With, I totally no, get it. That's more challenging. Where is that We're stress addicted. factor. Like you want to yeah. look at your phone, even though you know it's kind of rude. Even though we know that there was time before phones where you could sit there and listen to somebody or I don't know, look at the birds, listen to the birds chirp or whatever. Anyway, needless to say, check in with somebody. And if you're with somebody, give them quality time. Next up, and I know this is challenging for some people, when people call, pick up the phone.
1: Moshe, you can attest to this. I am a phone talker. I call you. you I think oh, I call you at least once a day when you're probably like, "Can't you just text me this?" <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> I like but talking,
0: it's, but it's important. You get tone. You know, you you're much more prone in a in a phone conversation to have those asides or hear something in the background and be like, "What's that?" Um, it's different. So again, they say if you're with people who actually call you on the phone, pick up the <laughs> pick it up, everybody. <laughs> and finally, importantly, if you're feeling Depressed, if you're feeling lonely, uh, get help, reach out to others, uh, don't uh, keep yourself isolated. And so, there's a, among the pieces of advice they give all of us as we deal with, unfortunately, Jill, you know, we've gone from pandemic to epidemic of loneliness. All right, we have a lot more to get to in this podcast, including today's speed read, but First, we want to thank a couple of our sponsors this week. We're going to begin with Magic Spoon Cereal. We often talk about nostalgia on this podcast. And one of the things that so many of us look back fondly uh, is the cereals from back in the day. Magic Spoon Cereal has joined us as a partner and has replicated some of those flavors in a more wholesome way in 2023. Their peanut butter, frosty, cocoa, and fruity flavors right now allow you to have the nostalgia from your youth but in a low-carb way right now the great thing about them is they're gluten-free grain-free and soy-free and they have a special deal right now for the Mo News community you can head over to magicspoon.com slash monews to grab a variety pack with those flavors and try it today again the promo code monews m-o-n-e-w-s use the code at checkout and save five dollars off your order magic spoon is so confident in its product it's back with a what they call is a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, you can get your next delicious bowl of high-protein cereal over at magicspoon.com slash monews. And make sure to use the monews code to get $5 off.
1: And now to Bowl & Branch. We are so happy to be partnering again with a brand that helps you get an amazing night's sleep. Bowl & Branch. And they've got a great sale for Monews listeners these sheets are made with 100% traceable organic cotton that gets softer with every wash and have already been bought by millions of people. They actually spend a lot of time focused on the supply chain, and it turns out that organic cotton is much better for the environment and the farmers in India. We discussed this recently on the Monu's Instagram account. Another interesting fact that we recently learned, four U.S. presidents have used Bolan branch sheets.
0: Jill, that's almost 10% of all U.S. presidents.
1: And let's get to the deal here. Starting now, Mo News listeners will get 15% off site wide. You can use our code Mo News, M O N E W S, to get that 15% off today at bowlandbranch.com. That is Boland Branch B O L L A N D, branch, B R A N C H.com. Promo code again is Mo News. All right, time now for the speed read from Politico. The Biden administration is planning to send 1,500 more active duty troops temporarily to the southern border. They'll be assisting agents ahead of an expected influx of migrants seeking asylum. The move comes as Title 42, set to expire on May 11th. Title 42, as we've talked about, is that public health law that permit the U.S. to deny asylum and migration claims for public health reasons most recently the COVID pandemic. The service members, mainly coming from army units, will not have a law enforcement role. They'll be armed for self-defense, but will be performing monitoring and administrative tasks only. The idea, though, is that they'll free up Border Patrol officials to process migrant claims. They'll be there for up to 90 days, after which military reservists or contractors will do the work.
0: Jill, it's interesting because Democrats just a couple years ago, when Trump announced a similar plan to send several thousand troops to the border, actively, fiercely resisted it. Uh, here, uh, they sort of tacitly accepted it. And you even saw a difference in the media coverage uh, a couple years ago, where people were calling out Trump. There are Trump to the border. <laughs> exactly. This is a stunt by Donald Trump. <laughs> and in this case, they're just like, oh, Biden's sending troops to the border. So, you know, we're here to call that out. And clearly there's a difference here. Either way, the politics of the border have shifted in the last couple of years, and Biden is in an awkward spot with his own party here, as we've talked about on the podcast recently, that he's had to be more aggressive, given the situation that has escalated there, the number of migrants coming over the border. And so the Biden move here continues the trend of presidents, multiple presidents, using troops to fill in uh, for the personnel-strapped border patrol, as Congress hasn't fully funded the agency in recent years. So we can go back to 06, President George W. Bush at the time deployed 6,000 troops to the border. Uh, It lasted several years there. The troops assisted with nearly 200,000 apprehensions. Fast forward to Barack Obama. He and then Vice President Biden sent up to 1,200 troops to the border. It was called Operation Phoenix. That stretched for about a year. Uh, That helped deal with the crisis at the time. Then in 2018, as we mentioned, Trump sent several thousand National Guardsmen to the border and then sent another 5,200 troops to the border, that's when he drew that backlash there. But clearly they're, they're trying to be prepared here for uh, what could unfold next week when uh, the U.S. doesn't have the same rules in place that it's had for the past couple of years in order to uh, deport people.
1: From NBC News, former President Trump has decided not to testify in the civil trial where he's being accused of rape and defamation by writer E. Jean Carroll. Trump's attendance in the trial, which started last week, was previously an open question. His attorney, Joe Tacopina, said Tuesday that Trump has decided against testifying. As Trump's lawyers defended him in federal court in Manhattan, the ex-president himself had traveled to Scotland, where he broke ground on a new golf course on Monday. Meanwhile, Carol wrapped up her third and final day of testimony on Monday, which centers on her allegations that Trump raped her in a New York City department store in the 1990s and then defamed her when she took her story public 20 years later. Under lengthy cross-examination from Trump's attorney, Carol responded to questions about her decision not to call the police after the alleged assault and her subsequent praise of Trump's former reality show, The Apprentice.
0: Yeah, on Tuesday, actually, one of her longtime friends testified that Carol called her just minutes after she was allegedly assaulted by Trump in that dressing room of the Bergdorf-Goodman department store. Uh, the friend testified, her name is Lisa Bernbach. She said, Gene, he raped you. You should go to the police. Gene replied, no, no, I don't wanna go to the police. Uh, we've told you on this podcast before that she ended up keeping quiet until 2019 when she had a book out where she finally revealed uh, this incident. And we should say that New York law changed recently that uh, allowed people beyond the statute of limitations uh, to be able to sue civilly, which is why uh, this trial is happening here. Trump uh, denies all of her allegations and like all the cases and probes that he faces, he says this is part of a politically motivated effort to undermine his campaign to return to the White House in 2024. A reminder, this is a civil trial, as I mentioned, so he would not face jail time if he was sentenced, but could face a financial penalty, depends on what the jury and the judge say here. And since this is civil, the standard here is not beyond a reasonable doubt, but a preponderance of the evidence, meaning right now the E. Carroll team just need to prove Uh, to the jury that there's a 50.1% chance that this could have happened, and therefore the jury would find in her favor. Of course, Takapina and the Trump defense team trying to ensure that they don't meet that standard. While we're talking about Trump, uh, Jill, we should mention that it was announced in the last 24 hours that he'll be doing a town hall meeting on CNN next week, which is interesting because he's effectively not done anything with them for several years. Uh, That'll be a primetime town hall in New Hampshire hosted by Caitlin Collins, uh, one of their anchors there. At the same time, though, it appears he's not ready to participate in all of the primary debates coming up. According to The New York Times, late Wednesday... He's talking to his advisors about skipping at least one of the Republican presidential debates. Last month, the RNC, the Republican National Committee, announced that there will be two upcoming debates, that Fox News will be hosting the first primary debate in Milwaukee. And then there'll be a second debate at the Ronald Reagan Library in Southern California. It appears Trump wants to skip at least one of them. He doesn't want to be on stage with DeSantis and Nikki Haley and elevate any of them while he continues to have this lead.
1: What do you make of his decision to do a town hall with CNN?
0: It's fascinating on multiple fronts, right? Uh, CNN clearly trying to pivot back to the center after four years um, under Trump. And so in Trump, a- after effectively boycotting, mocking their correspondence, you might remember the exchanges he would have with like Jim Acosta, and CNN correspondents live on national television being like, your network is nonsense, your network lies, your network is this. So clearly, I mean, I haven't been privy to this, but CNN had a conversation with the Trump people and have convinced him that uh, he should give them a shot again. So fascinating. And it's fascinating strategy because it indicates that the Trump advisors uh, are convincing him that he needs to reach beyond the Republican base, right? CNN viewer, you're capturing a a non-traditional, like hardcore right-wing viewer. And that's going to be a voter that he's going to eventually need, uh, you know, just over a year from now.
1: That was my first thinking is that perhaps they feel there is an opening maybe with all those independents that we recently talked about. A lot of Democrats even not necessarily thrilled that Joe Biden is running again. Uh, So they must feel that there is some type of an opportunity.
0: That's what they feel. The question is, how will he execute? (laughs) And and what will he say? I mean, a big thing among the Trump advisors, they've been trying to push him, look towards the future, sir, look towards the future. And most of the time when he's in these types of sessions, it becomes a complaining session by Trump about how everyone's out to get him and how everything sucked in 2016 and yada, yada, yada. And so he, he has this tendency to look back and want to relitigate and complain about things. Kvetcher in get, chief. Yeah, they're trying to get into him being like, Americans want to be convinced that bringing you back means that you're looking towards the future. And it's not just about reliving 2016 to 2020.
1: Everybody has the friend who just wants to complain all the time. And that's what you get. You go out for lunch and it's just like, well, this person did this to me and blah, blah, blah. It's exhausting.
0: And you hear that from some Republicans. I mean, you see that on the front page of the New York Post. There's been indications from Fox News and Rupert Murdoch that they're all kind of like, even people who are like, listen, I like President Trump and his record and what he did for the country. Um, And, you know, you had nearly 80 million people who voted for him last time. Uh, Some of them are like, you know what? You had your four years. We're ready to move on. And so his message here will be uh, ever more important, if not in the Republican primary, in the general against Biden. And we will get the first indication of it, Jill, uh, in the CNN town hall next week.
1: From the DC examiner, starting today, residents of Utah can no longer access some of the internet's largest adult websites, including Pornhub. That is after state lawmakers passed legislation creating requirements for such sites to prevent viewers under the age of 18. Now, in response to the bill, Pornhub just said, you know what? Let's disable all Utah users of (laughs) all ages. This is too complicated. Exactly, from accessing the site. So residents attempting to enter Pornhub today will be met with a message saying that entering your ID card and data every time you want to visit an adult website, not something that they see as an effective solution. Uh, Sorry, people in Utah. (laughs) <laughs> porn not going to happen for you. You're
0: going to have to find another activity during your lunch break. Uh, but in all seriousness, Jill, this has been an issue uh, in Utah for Utah government authorities for a couple of years now. The previous governor called pornography an epidemic in the state. Uh, Utah lawmakers say that the state's pornography consumption rates have uh, massively increased over the last few years. And Utah's not alone here. Louisiana enacted a similar measure last year. At least a dozen other states have introduced similar age verification bills for viewing online porn even so though there are loopholes Uh, while Pornhub here is blocking all the IP addresses to the state there are virtual private networks VPNs that effectively allow you to mask your location you can just literally enter uh, go through the VPN and claim you're in another state and the website will let you on
1: some exciting health news from Harvard Medical School. A team of experts there have reportedly discovered a groundbreaking solution to hearing loss. Scientists think that they've identified a cocktail of drug-like molecules that can regenerate the hair cells within our ears that enable us to hear. I didn't even know it was the hair cells that enabled us to hear, Moshe. As first reported by the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, the development is reprogramming drug-like molecules to regenerate cochlear hair, improving hearing. The paper continues to claim that this discovery is the holy grail of hearing loss and that the study should be the groundwork for future clinical trials.
0: Yeah, so researchers previously tested the study on mice when it was found that the team could make cells divide and develop the characteristics of hair cells. Hair cells, it turns out, cannot be regenerated in mammals, including humans, because unlike other cells in the body, any remaining hair cells in the inner ear cannot divide and other inner ear cells cannot convert themselves into new hair cells. Species like fish, birds, reptiles, however, possess this ability. So this is one of the downsides of being a mammal, Joe. At the same time, though, that was me snapping
1: my finger like, (laughs) darn,
0: (laughs) at the same time, but I still would much rather be a human than a mouse, even with this whole uh, hair cell issue. And it appears that based on this research on mice, and they're looking to be able to translate this to larger animals before eventually taking it to humans, that they were able to use these molecules that are referred to as CERNAs or small interfering RNAs. The team removed genes which allowed for the growth of hair cells in the inner ear Uh, This is how one researcher compared it. Think about a brake when driving a car. If the brake is always engaged, you can't drive. Well, we found a CERNA, we found a small interfering RNA that could remove the brake in this genetic pathway and allow for hearing again. So some hopeful news coming out of Harvard there, Jill. Uh, Unclear, though, the timing here of when it would translate to uh, people that we know.
1: And finally, from CBS News, massive clumps of a seaweed blob wash up on Florida beaches. Beachgoers along Florida's east coast are encountering enormous clumps of seaweed from a colossal seaweed blob drifting in from the Atlantic Ocean. You got to love the writing here, Mosh. Known as Sargasm, the brown seaweed has the ability to blanket beaches as far as the eye could see. And the influx could persist for months while sargasm is a naturally occurring phenomenon. The extent of this year's sargasm bloom has caught the attention of scientists. The Great Atlantic Sargasm Belt swelled to an estimated 13.5 million metric tons of seaweed this year. Some people who live in the Miami area say that they have never seen anything like this particularly so early in the season. So you've got these specialized tractors that have been trying to rake up the brown weed clusters that litter the beaches. But by the following morning, the seaweed's back. The collected sargasm eventually goes into landfills, but in the interim, it's piled offshore and it apparently stinks.
0: Yeah, so this stuff's always been around and there's always been, uh, I guess you call it the Great Atlantic sarcasm Belt but it's grown and it's grown and it's grown. And so some experts are attributing this to the phenomenon of nutrient rich wastewater. Basically it's us. We're the problem here. We are. It's
1: me. Hi.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's what Taylor Swift was talking about. That was the inspiration for that song. Um, little did we know. No, I, I, honestly, a lot of it has to do with the amount of pollution we're putting out in the water that's heading out to the ocean. And apparently It's uh, good news for the Great Atlantic Sargassum Belt. Uh, These nutrients will be discharged into rivers, they reach the ocean, et cetera, and they serve as fertilizer for this algae. Researchers are looking at ways, though, of finding productive uses for the sargassum. They better because this stuff keeps piling up. One researcher tells CBS News, instead of putting it into a landfill, we want to be able to compost it into a usable product that can be made from it. The efforts are still in the research stage and viable solutions are yet to be implemented. In the meantime, Miami Dade County officials are ensuring that daily beach cleanups to protect the vital tourism revenue, and maintain property values continue.
1: They interviewed that one guy who bought a condo on Miami Beach, and he was like, maybe this was a mistake.
0: <laughs> What's funny about that, Joe, the voice in that CBS piece, he's lived there 25 years, and now I'm like, you haven't enjoyed your 25 years enough to know this sargassum so bad. Like, maybe this whole thing, the past two and a half decades, total mistake. We feel for you guys down in Florida. Good luck with the uh sargasm these next couple of weeks
1: if you can get two decades somewhere it's a good investment
0: <laughs> Yeah, dude i think you've been okay and you've probably done pretty well on your property value but maybe that's his issue he wants to sell right now and like it stinks to high heaven all right as always on this day in history jill on this may 3rd we're going to be in 1971 npr broadcast for the first time so a happy 52nd birthday to national public radio All right, fast forward to 1979. On this day in 1979, one of the legendary leaders of the 20th century, Margaret Thatcher, was elected the Prime Minister of Great Britain. She became the first woman in Europe to become Prime Minister. She later became the longest continuously serving British premier since 1827, the most renowned since Winston Churchill. She was one of the first Western leaders to recognize the reformist intentions of Mikhail Gorbachev, showed a foresight on climate change. At the same time, was controversial within the UK. Uh, She was, of course, from the Conservative Party there uh, and defied some uh, historical traditions there and really tried to pivot the country in certain ways. Uh, But she is one of those people, Jill, when you look back at the photos of the end of the Cold War, uh, you know, Reagan, Gorbachev, Thatcher, uh, you know, really, really a giant from that era. Also
1: played very well by Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady.
0: Yes, and more recently by Jillian Anderson in The Crown. So um, pick your favorite Thatcher actress.
1: (laughs) You gotta love that most of my historical knowledge comes from the movies.
0: Like most of us, Jill, like most (laughs) of us. All right, Jill, on this day in 1978, the first spam email was sent. Happy 45th birthday to spam email. Uh, Thanks for
1: nothing, spam.
0: (laughs) Or the people who create it, more importantly. Spam, spam doesn't have a choice. Spam is just sent. By people Jill it was still a uh, really early internet days it was called ARPANET. this was the network the Pentagon had set up. Remember it was the Department of Defense in the U.S that really created the first Internet uh, connecting uh, computers academic computers around the country. It was called ARPANET at the time had about 3,000 people on it and one of those people on the network decided to sell computer equipment to the rest of the people on the network. And they're like, dude, what are you doing? Clearly, it annoyed people then. And that's when the internet had less than 3,000 people on it. All right, a bit of TV history here. This week in 2004, 19 years ago this week, the final episode of Friends aired. It was watched by more than 52 million people. Wow. Wow. Jill, I think we celebrated recently the anniversary of the last episode of MASH. But just for those who may have missed it, the uh, Friends final episode got 52 million viewers, which means it was number five on the all-time list of most viewed final episodes. Uh, MASH was number one. Cheers, number two. The Fugitive, the TV series from the 60s and 70s, was number three. And Seinfeld, number four. Friends, they're uh, fifth on the list. All right, Jill, turning 39 years old today, you would recognize this beat. That, of course, is Dancing in the Dark, put out today in 1984.
1: By the one and only Bruce Springsteen, who's still going strong and still on tour as we speak.
0: Yeah, doing his, what is it, three, four-hour concerts. Still pretty remarkable. There's a good piece with him, I think, this past weekend on CBS Sunday Morning. They had uh, an interview with him looking back at uh, some of his initial writing uh, and looking back at his origins, which was a a really good watch.
1: He is the ultimate perfectionist um, in terms of how many times they would have to practice each song, how many songs they put together and never used. I'm talking about the E Street Band. You sometimes think people are just born successful or or just kind of became overnight successes and then so you dig into the backstory and you realize how hard they've they've worked to get to where they are
0: people who scrutinize every single detail uh every single frame um jill as we record this podcast i'm gonna make sure i do that tonight we're gonna we're gonna go through (laughs) every frame of this pod
1: (laughs) (laughs) we've done that though we've
0: oh I, actually, I mean
1: like, I, I mean we do work really
0: hard on this. Right. I, I was gonna say, people probably don't realize that we record this podcast and then we listen and then we scrutinize. We're like, was that four seconds worth it? Was that comment? <laughs> Will someone take offense at that thing I said at the end? Um so we actually we should we should say we spend a lot of time here. We do we do it on all our platforms. Um, but uh the way that some people describe how Bruce scrutinizes every detail. I don't know that there's enough hours in the day for us <laughs> to give Bruce Springsteen level attention to every second of a podcast.
1: All right, and on that note, a big thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. As we mentioned, we work really hard on this stuff. Review us in the app store so we can continue to grow.
0: And make sure to check out Mo News Premium over at mo.news slash premium. We are so grateful for everyone who's joined so far for your support for independent journalism for what we're doing. Uh, your support will allow us to continue to grow what we're doing here with this podcast and on multiple platforms. Right now, we're offering uh, Mo News Premium. To become a member of the Mo News team for seven dollars a month or seventy dollars a year, which is two free months, and then with this code Mo News Pod, one word, you'll get an extra free month. Uh, and with your membership, you know that you'll get extra content with a, a special uh, premium podcast with extra episodes, early access to interviews, etc. A, a special Instagram account and know that you're supporting what we're doing here as we try to help uh, break new ground when it comes to news coverage and journals.
1: All right. Bye, everybody. Later. Thanks
0: for listening to the Mo News Podcast.